The BS Report is a free-flowing conversation that occasionally touches on mature subjects. The BS Report. The BS Report with Bill Simmons. BS Report from All-Star Weekend, Chris Bosh, two-time champ, four straight finals. What, I mean, what, how does your body feel after four straight finals? <laughs> you know what, man? It, uh, it, it doesn't, I don't feel my age. Yeah? Um, yeah. Uh, you know, this year has been a struggle because, um, you know, you for, we forget that even though we didn't win, we still played in the finals last year, and you kind of forget that. You only remember if you win. Yeah. And, um, you know, after all those games, I mean, you know, going down to the wire, playing every season, it's, uh, it's tough. But, you know, it's a part of the game. I'm a diehard Celtic fan. In the mid-'80s, they made four straight. Yeah. 84, 85, 86, 87. 87, the whole team just started falling apart in yeah. the playoffs, and Parrish's ankles went, and Bird's back, and Mikhail's feet, and and it was just it, it, the toll of that. It's almost like we should count, especially conference finals and finals playoff games should almost count like two games. Right? Well, you know, they're definitely two games. Mental, and, mental intensity, yeah. all that stuff. Just, just you know, every everything that is riding on it, you know, uh, the expectation, the pressure. Yeah. Um, you you got to kind of put your life on hold, uh, you know, going through these situations. And, you know, it's, it's it, you know, the whole world is watching. And if you don't win, you're not considered successful. Right. And um, you can uh, translate to the play on the court. Nobody wants to lose. And to win those games, it's, it's extremely tough and very demanding. And, you know, you get through a game, you play the whole thing on E, and then it's analyzed over and over and over, and you get two days of that. And you either get full of yourself if you watch TV or you think you're the worst player in the world. Right. You know, and you can't, you can't do that. You had some <laughs> really interesting quotes about that, actually, because it was a couple weeks ago. You know, you had a big decision. Houston's coming after you. You go to Houston, you're going to be a real contender. When you have James Harden, you got yeah. Howard, you got Parsons, they're going to keep. Of course. There's a little less money than you got from Miami. You mm-hmm. end up staying in Miami. And somebody asked you about it two weeks ago, and he basically said, you know what? Like I was pretty worn out from having that being in that fishbowl. Yeah. And it's kind of I like it here, and I'm happy here. And if we get back, great. But I don't need to be in that fishbowl every year. Yeah. Um, I thought it was cool that an athlete conceded that point. I mean, I, was that something you seriously thought about? Like, oh, man, yeah. I hate this fishbowl. It's not that I don't I don't I don't hate it, but it, it's demanding. You know, yeah. and um, it, it's 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 a certain thing. It's a certain kind of power on your lifestyle yeah. you have to live a certain way and you know I have kids I have family I have other things I have to think about you know and as well as my game and yeah you kind of get tired of it it's like okay I mean I've done that you're promising me this and that's cool but I've been down that road and I know what it means and I know it's waiting on me do I want to do that uh, I think I would rather stay here and see what we can uh, develop here, and um, you know, just right. It's not like you on. checked out of the finals, but right. it's, you just knew it was going to be a much tougher, yeah, much tougher situation. Um, you know, and you live with the choices you make. But you know, like I said before, I had a bunch of other things to think about. The other thing people forget is you won rings. It's one thing yeah. if you're in that <laughs> Kevin Garnett, Minnesota, 2007 right. <laughs> stage of your career. Right. You already, you already won two. Yeah, and that's something to think about. Get this. more money. You get to live in Miami. Yeah. You obviously like it there. <laughs> it's good. It's great. And my family loves it there, too. Yeah. You know, I can't go there and say, hey, we've got to move. Right. I can't be the worst enemy in my house. But you thought about it. I thought about it, yeah. How close sure. was it? 
You know, it was close enough. I mean, you know, not not very close to where it's just like I'm weighing my decisions. I don't know what Gone. to do. Let's pack. We're out. Yeah, it yeah. wasn't like that. But, you know, it was discussions. I think that was pretty apparent. And, you know, it, it comes to a point in free agency where anything can happen, You, as we saw. And after everything kind of transpired, you know, I think it hit us all out of left field, uh, you know, with LeBron going to Cleveland and everything. And we had to work off of that and, you know, move on from there. I was, like, at the... Pico, in 2013, I remember I wrote that you reminded me of, like, a great bassist in a band. You got the lead singer and the lead guitarist, and you're kind of over here, and it's like the people who really know music understand what you do. Yeah. Casual fans maybe don't, and they're just looking at the guitarist, but it seemed like you liked that. Yeah, I've always loved this game, Um, and, you know, we all have dreams when we come in. I wanted to be MVP. I wanted to do all these things. I wanted to, you know, put my team on the back, you know, and take them to the promised land. Right. And, you know, we all come in with that dream. But very, it changed for me very quickly. It's like, okay, how bad do you want to win? Yeah. And that's a question that a lot of guys, you know, think they want to answer, but you don't. Because when it comes down to it, you have to sacrifice a lot. And I was put in that position. And, you know, it's like, hey, man, you've got to, you know, be the best role player you can be and yeah. uh, really fill that role and, and do what's best for the team. And, you know, I'm just glad it worked out. I was very proud of that. What was the single best moment? Like, titles accepted. <clears throat> was there a moment during those four years where you guys are just kicking ass and that you can remember where you're like, this is it. I'm on, I'm on one of the best teams, like, uh, ever. I would say the 27-game win streak. Yeah. That was pretty awesome. I mean, at the time, it wasn't fun because... it was stressful. Yeah, 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 it gets stressful. Once we got to about 15, 16 games, every game was like a playoff game. Everybody yeah. wants to knock you off. And, you know, just going through that and kind of looking back, saying, man, like, that was, that was quite amazing. And then to finish off and actually, you know, win the title in that, you know, dramatic series. I just remember it being over. I just wanted it to be over. Yeah, you know, yeah. It, I'm sure it was exciting for the crowd and everything to watch, and it was epic, but I didn't want to do it anymore. Right. <laughs> it, was, it was just so stressful. I thought you guys were done, and being in that building, I'll never forget it, because we were doing <laughs> TV, but, like, it looked pretty much over, and LeBron yeah. went to a level I'd never seen him go to in the fourth quarter for about nine minutes, because you yeah. guys were dead. You were yeah. just dead. I think the winning streak probably took a lot out of you it just did. in general because you're playing playoff games basically. But LeBron for about nine minutes went to some level I've never seen him go to. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, at, at, at every time it's going to look like it's over. Yeah, yeah. And at that point I just remember like, you know, you get so caught up in the game, you just kind of put all that stuff to the side. It's like, hey, man, we got to come back. And that's all you're thinking about. Yeah. And, you know, to see LeBron elevate his game the way he did and, and be the great player that he was and actually respond in a tough situation like that was awesome. And then... Then you get some luck. Come, yeah, get a little bit of luck. and You, you got know. a great rebound. Famous rebound. Yeah. I, I got my iconic... In traffic? Final, so Genova's on your back? Yeah. All I remember nice pass? Was, yeah, all I remember was I thought we were done and all I could remember was losing to Dallas and, man, we're about to lose at home again. And they were bringing out the yellow rope and everything. I said, I can't believe this. And I looked at my wife, and she wasn't looking at me, but she was clapping and standing up. So that made me check back in. Ah. And I said, okay, all right, no, 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 let's focus on the play. We hit a three, missed a free throw, we had a chance. And, you know, all it was nothing, and that rebound, nothing else mattered in the world but that ball. (laughs) I can't remember the energy changing that fast. Because you're you're timeout, you're down five. 
Yeah. You come out, LeBron throws up a brick. Like, it comes <laughs> yeah. flying off the backboard. Everybody can't even get their hands up in time. Gets tipped, blah, 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 three, yeah. foul. All of a sudden, Kawhi's at the line, and the, and, it, and the crowd had been leaving. And we right. were sitting there in the TV stands like, they're only down five. Like, this right. isn't time. I wouldldn't go now. You would think if people paid so much money yeah, for a finals yeah. ticket, so you would wait stay. one more possession. Yeah, you know. <laughs> but and, yeah, uh, it worked out. And Kawhi's at the line. All of a sudden, it was like you could feel it. Mm-hmm. And the way the crowd was cheering, and it just was like, oh, my God. Like, yeah. this kid's only 20. Like, these are some big free throws. Very tough free throws. Misses man. one. And then the Ray shot. So you get the rebound. Mm-hmm. Are you thinking to throw it back out, or are you thinking, where's Ray? No, I, he's the first person I saw. Yeah, yeah, okay. So rebound, boo. Yeah, I mean, I get the rebound, and it's just like me looking at you. It's like Ray. But you knew it was going in. Ninety percent. I don't know. I was just by that time you're just watching it. Right, right, right. Yeah, I'm just watching the. I'm just like, and it went in. It's like, oh my god, get back! Right, right, get back. <laughs> you know, we had to snap out of it real quick. Because I've watched him on the Celtics for four years. <laughs> As you were throwing the pass. I was, and normally I don't think this way. I'm always just kind of like dumbfounded watching everything. This time, the ball's going in the air toward him. I'm like, oh my God, they're going to tie the game. Like, I yeah. just seen it. Well, yeah, like, he, he lives for that. Oh, his eyes were huge. Oh, yeah. That's all I remember. I remember calling my name, and I, or I thought he called my name, and I just looked right at him, and there was no reason to look at anybody else. I just passed to him, and I asked him after. I said, do you practice, you know, do you practice that shot? Yes. He said, yeah. I said, you you never know when you're going to shoot Because he's a crazy person. Like, yeah. yeah, you never know when yeah. you're going to shoot a backpedal three in the corner. Yeah. And perfect. I mean, he didn't step on the line, didn't step out of bounds. He was perfectly in between the two I lines. really think it was the greatest shot ever because <laughs> I think he's the only person who would ever practice the footwork at yeah. to go backwards <laughs> and not go out of bounds. I yeah. don't even know who else would have thought of practice that. It's, it, he's that, doing it at three thirty in the afternoon with cheerleaders yeah. setting up in a yeah. dark arena, and he's in there practicing game Absolutely. seven shots. That, that showed me that you never know. You should work on everything because you never know when you're going to have to use it or when you're going to have to go in your bag and say, "Hey, I've practiced this a million times," and to have you know the body recognition and the muscle memory to actually do it and just you know. This situation, yeah. Well, then you took care of business in OT, too. And the Spurs actually played pretty well in OT in that game, considering they just taken the all-time haymaker. (laughs) We we went down fast pretty quick, and I remember being down four. It was like, it was just, yeah, it was was something else. Isn't it crazy how sports comes down to these little either-or moments? Because you had one in Dallas, too, in in 2011, or at home. Mm -hmm. Game two, you're up like 15. Yeah. Wade's Wade's doing stuff. I, I he did something that fired up the Mavs, but yeah, ninety nine percent of the time you're going to win that game with For LeBron sure. and Wade and you on the team, and they just got hot, made some threes, also, and they flip it. But if you win that game, you win that series. You could yeah. have had three titles. You could have had one title. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it just it's funny how things come down to you know. You we always talk about. I mean, sports is the greatest thing in the world to me. Yeah, you know, especially basketball, and you know, you watch these series and you dissect them. You know, I've watched tons of series over and over and especially when it comes down to winning a championship when it comes down to competing for a championship even getting there you know you have some stroke of luck you know and you also have times when you really have to kind of hold the fort or you know make a miraculous comeback and you know you see it time and time again and it always happens and you don't know which side you're going to be on 
Yeah. You know, and it's always this kind of juggle that you have to really, really not focus on, but kind of get through. And, yeah. and you know, kind of put in the back of your mind, but you have to play the game. And when it happens, you have to stay calm, which is very difficult to do. Were there times, was there ever a time during that Miami, the four years, especially the first year, where you thought to yourself, what did I do? Of course. I could have gone. <laughs> why, did, why, why did I put myself in this? Yeah, of course. I mean, you know, it was, that, it was more so that first year. Yeah. Because You guys um, were villains. Yeah. I mean, it's not very fun being a villain. I never yeah, yeah, yeah. thought, you know, I was just like, man, I just wanted to come and play basketball, and this is what it is. But, you know, for whatever reason. But just, yeah, going through that and, you know, going through a new role and kind of figuring things out, going from the first option to the third, you know, it's very, it was very difficult on me. And I'm like, man, I don't know if I made the right decision. I could have, I would have, I should have. But, you know, um, I'm glad um, we all stuck with it mentally. And, and, you know, it ended up working out. We had a great run and, you know, it's something that we can cherish forever. When did you feel like it went from being Wade's team to being LeBron's team? Because I don't feel like it can be two people's team at the same time. Yeah, you know? it, it was um, it was in that December. I think Dwayne went ahead and said it. He uh, he, I remember um, the first was, year or the second year. It was the first year. Okay, it was in the December, and right before we went on a run, he was like, "Hey, man, you know, you go ahead, and you know, you're the best player on the planet, and you know, just be the best player." But I went to those finals games, <clears> and it still felt like Wade's team. Wade is like such an alpha dog, and yeah. he was spectacular in yeah. those finals games. I mean, Great player. athletically, that's the best shape he's probably been in. And I think, you know, now it's like you guys get older, but he was just at peak of his powers in that thing. And I don't know, I just felt like, it always felt like they never quite figured it out totally. Well, you know? yeah, and that's probably the reason why we didn't, uh, you know, have the ultimate success that year. But I think um, that was a part of the things that we had to figure out moving forward, especially for them too, because, yeah, like you said, they're both alphas. You know, we all are, but yeah. after a while, it's like, you know, for me it was easier. It's like, okay, I'm not you guys. I can't do what you, you do, but right. I can compliment you as best as possible. And after they figured things out, you know, Everything went great. Last question, quick. You followed Deflate Gate, right, with the Super Bowl? Yeah. All that stuff? Why did the Spurs get off the hook for shutting off the air conditioning <laughs> game one? I don't know, man. That's what I was saying. That, that was the most everybody, miserable game I played in. Oh, by what the way, a coincidence. Too. The heat's off. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and LeBron's getting dehydrated. Hey, that's what I they said. They just I said, got a free pass. I said, hey, man, they did get a free pass. And I was like, but it was a good one. I, I got You got to give credit where credit to It was a good one. Fuse box. It was a good one. Congrats. You know, it didn't come down to that. By the way, so. you guys are kind of a stealth playoff sleeper if everybody gets healthy. Yeah, we're just trying to get it together. Yeah, be like, you're the seventh seed, nobody wants to play. Yeah, we, 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 we just need to get healthy. That's all I'm saying. That's, that's all I want for this group is to be healthy, and that's all I ask for. Good luck. Appreciate Thanks it. Thanks for coming a lot, on. Man. More from All-Star Weekend after this. All-Star Weekend, New York City here with two of the four All-Stars on the Hawks. Cal Corver, Al Horford. Four All-Stars. It's pretty good. It's like, it puts you in rarefied company, but I think you guys deserve it. I thought you guys were the best team I saw this year. What is happening? Explain it to me. Um, you know, I feel like we've uh, all bought, it, bought into what Coach, Coach Bud has been trying to build uh, in Atlanta and how he, want, he wants us to play. And, um, and, you know, we've put in the hard work def- defensively. Um, uh, on offense, we're sharing the ball, um, we're having fun, 
and uh, and you know we're we've been working we've been working pretty hard as a group. So um, I'm just just very proud of what we've been able to do so far. What does that mean when buying into what Coach Bud wants to do? What is that? Yeah, I think we all realize that um, you know we are we're all a kind of specific piece to the puzzle, and you know we're a bunch of pieces that fit together well. Um, I think. Uh, you know, we all feel like we matter every single time down the court on offense and on defense. We matter. Yeah. Like we, we may not shoot the ball, but you're you're gonna you're not just gonna stand in the corner and, and and space out and create room for someone else to operate. You're gonna set the screen or you're gonna make the pass. Like your your piece matters every single time down the court. And when you matter like that, you naturally play a little harder. Yeah. Uh, everyone's kind of bought in more. Um, I think you know, with success in the NBA, a lot of it is just like playing hard every night, right? Like, getting guys to play unselfishly and play hard. And I think the system that, that, that Bud's put in, like, we all enjoy it. It's not just buying in. Like, we all feel like we matter to the system, and, and uh, everyone's bought into that. I saw you guys in person. You killed the Clippers. I think it was the Clippers, yeah. Um, the, the thing that struck me as I was watching, this was right before your streak took off, and I came away thinking, like, wow, those guys could win the title. But the thing that struck me was nobody takes bad shots. You don't have that one guy who comes in there and is just, like, jacking up or breaking a play or whatever. It's just, like, everybody kind of knows what to do, and everything brings something to the table. But nobody really takes stuff off, off the table. Is that part of, like, just being in the team framework, or did you just get lucky with who's on the team? I think it's been a, a learning process for us. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I feel like we have a group of guys that are willing to, to you know, to be better and to help our team be the best team it can. And um, uh, you know, there's certain shots that coach likes or certain shots that he doesn't like so much. And if he doesn't like them, he'll show you. you. He'll let yeah. you know. And and um, and I feel like that's kind of been it. Um, you know, with our group, I felt like, um, you know, we've learned and and uh, and and that's made us play better offensively. Can he take a bad shot no. when you're shooting fifty percent from three? Is there a bad shot? No, like a half court shot. No, I'm I'm confident in him every time. I um, you know, his his threes are like layups for us. Yeah, um, I know he doesn't want to hear that, but like it's true. Um, you know, we're we're on the break and. And if he's shooting the three, I'm okay with him. If I have a dunk and he has a three and he's shooting, I'm okay with that. Right. What yeah. What's different this year? I mean, you were always good. Yeah. But this uh, year it seems like you, you're just locked in every game. I don't understand what happened. I think it's a combination of a lot of things. I think, one, I'm the healthiest I've been in a long time. Really? I think, uh, yeah, I've dealt with some knee and elbow things over the past few years. And it's it's never enough to hold you out, but it's always enough to affect you. You yeah. know, and um, I think as a shooter, you know, and... Like the whole goal is to make your shot the same every time. That's what shooters always talk about, right? And when you it's like have, golf. Yeah. right? And when when every third jump, you know, you have a sharp pain in your knee or you have something in your elbow, like it's just hard to shoot the same. Yeah. And so health, I think, has been a, a big thing for me. Um, I think being on this team and playing the system, um, you know, like I feel like I get utilized a bit differently than I ever had before. Like I'm not just waiting for the ball to come to me. Um, I get to search things out a little more. And, yeah. you know, as I'm searching things out, if I feel like they're overguarding me, I can still, like, set a flare screen for Al or something. And so whereas maybe I didn't shoot at that time, like, like I felt like I was a part of the play. Yeah. And, and that helps with rhythm and everything. So um, I think being able to search out shots, you shoot shots a little bit differently 
when you're searching them out rather than when you're waiting for them, if that makes sense. Um, and I feel like I am get to be in constant motion, and it just helps me a lot. So it's a combination of a lot of things. Um, How healthy are you? Uh, I'm like as, 95% now? Yeah, I'm as healthy as I've been. Um, yeah. you know, at the beginning of the year, uh, for me, it was a little harder. Um, uh, I started halfway through October to, to I can practice. I could tell that first year you were in contact. I mean, the first month, yeah, yeah. You, were, you so, didn't seem right. So, so for the first two months, November, December, I, I wasn't. I didn't feel very comfortable. Um, uh, you know, I wasn't in shape. I wasn't uh, physically. It's kind of a mental process, I feel like. And, um, and, and the more and more games we played and the more confident that, that you know, the more confident I became. So um, when January started, that's when I was like, okay, starting I'm to starting to feel back normal. I'm starting to feel good again. And, um, and now I feel really good. So I'm, I'm, I'm very happy. And I just, you know, look, just look to, to keep helping the team get better and growing. Um, this is, you know, the home stretch of the to, to finish the season the right way. And, yeah. and um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm excited where I'm at physically and how I'm feeling now. At what point during this season, like, first it was like, oh, it's cute, the Hawks are doing well. <clears throat> and then at some point you guys became contenders. At what point in the season could you feel the other teams taking you a little more seriously? I guess that's... Or like just that there was a different level of respect for you guys. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was probably at some point during. I don't think there was a certain moment. Um, I think as a team, we've grown in confidence by the game. You yeah. Know, we, we still haven't really proven anything as a group, and, and we know there's, you know, there's still a lot of games to play and playoff series to win and all that. Um, so, and I think we know that, and because we do know that, I think it's kept us playing like kind of on edge, and like we still have something to prove, which is important. Um, I think at some point during that streak, you know, like teams were kind of starting to even just talk to us differently before the game, or you know what I mean, like. Like how? What's an example? Just you know, telling us that we're having a great year, or oh. maybe some guys not talking to us who you normally oh, would talk to you before, you or just interesting. You, you could tell the teams were a little more serious. You yeah. know what I mean? A lot of times and, and, in the past, and, teams come to Atlanta and they're not quite as focused. You know, yeah. but now they're a little more focused. Well, and some of the things that Kyle would say was like, "Yeah, we need to start out the game ready to go," and um, because. If you know teams are coming out and you know guys are ready to go and give us a good shot and and you know we have to be ready if we come out like a days ago I mean we'll you know we, we'll get 15 20 right. points behind and uh, one of the things that our team has been able to do is to keep keep focus and I um, mean come out uh, ready to play and you have a home crowd all of a sudden that's like a affecting one. games and stuff I know. Yeah. when did that when did that start. Like about a month in? I think in? a lot of these things happened during that street. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what? No, the, the crowd really started, because I, 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 I actually remember this specifically. It was when we came back, uh, we had a trip that we played um, Dallas and Houston. Yeah. Um, and the Clippers game, that next game, you know, we were like, mm-hmm. well, you know, um, we're playing the Clippers, Chris Paul, Blake Griffin. Like, you know, in yeah. Atlanta, usually a lot of people come out for that. But I, we noticed that it was different. The crowd was really into it, and it was there for us. And... It was a back-to-back for us in that game. I don't, I, I don't forget that just because we were kind of dragging, and yeah. the crowd really gave us that energy. And in this, in the fourth quarter, we kind of took off and, and ran away with the game. So um, it was like mid-December, I would say, because you know we've had okay teams in the past, and you know the fans have been down, but you know with this team, I feel like they feel it's a little different, and um, and you know they're they're rallying. Yeah, and the defense of the Atlanta fans, they haven't. They, they've had okay teams, but not really, like, super fun teams. Mm-hmm. I think the Dominique era was the one time where it was like, wow, this is great. But even, like, when you guys were making the playoffs with uh, Josh and those guys, like, 
they were successful teams, but I, this team's like just incredibly fun to watch. Like I find myself home on you know Thursday night or Tuesday night. I'm I'm getting sucked in by you guys just because of the ball movement. Yeah. And it seems like in general the league is starting to, starting to drift toward the way you guys play. Like you see some other teams that kind of have that same kind of unselfish. Everybody moving. Is this this is now not becoming a trend? I feel like this is becoming the way to win. Don't you guys feel like this is an advantage to move around like that? Yeah, you know it's interesting. Um, like Tibbs' defense, the whole you know keeping the ball on one side of the floor, you know icing, keeping the pick and rolls down. Like when that first came on the scene, it was like, whoa, what are they doing? And it was winning, and it was you know it was everyone wanted a piece of it. Yeah. And now I kind of feel like this is maybe the offensive version of that. You yeah. Know, where it's like you're kind of getting a little like, oh, that's interesting. It's a little different. Like, you know, and now a few more teams are starting to do it. Like, I kind of think it's kind of moving in the same direction as that, maybe. The other interesting thing about your team is if you just go guy by guy, everybody's got something to prove. Everybody was either, you know, bounced around a little bit or, you know, got signed some contract that it was kind of like, well, we'll see if you're good or not or was overshadowed by somebody else. I've never seen a team like that where there's not, even like German Rondo, your backup point guard. <laughs> <laughs> like that guy went 17th, 18th in the draft. Plus he's your one, he's your one character, right? Is he, or is, is Antich the, who's the character? Who's the number one well, character? We, we have a lot of characters in our team. But somebody's uh, got to be the character. German Rondo feels like he's the character. De- Dennis is, uh, how old is he, 20 or 21? He's 21, 21 extremely confident. He extremely is the character. Confident. He's extremely confident. At the he, Clipper game, he was going right at Chris Paul. Like he's, he wanted it. He's not afraid. He, um, and I think that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, he's not afraid. He plays hard. Um, and he can actually shoot the ball. Yeah. Um, you know, he can play. He, he's a really good player, um, and, and I feel like he's just going to keep getting better, and he, he works, too. I mean, he's, you know, he, he's, he's hungry. I think I like Chris him. Paul is like, the, or, you know, I, was, I said pretty close to the court. Chris Paul is like, this guy thinks he's better than me. What's going on right now? This guy's like 20. And he's, he's got a dyed part of his hair. I think he was just kind of confused by the whole thing. Uh, you, I mean, the trade deadline's coming up. You guys just traded Adrian Payne for a future pick, and then people are like, oh, that... Like, is... Would you even want to trade at this point? It feels like it would be dangerous to mess up what you have, right? Like, at this point, like, just bringing any outsider into this would make me nervous. Well, I don't... Yeah, I, I don't think our management's going to bring in just any outsider. I think they would yeah. bring in a piece that would, that would fit well, and, um, you know, like... We're the players, and we don't really say a whole lot about that kind of yeah, stuff. But I wouldn't. I wouldn't. But add yeah, it's anybody. you know you don't want to add anything that's you know like we, we like our group and um, we like where we're headed, not just for this year, but going forward. Like we really like our group a lot, and so um, yeah, I'm sure they'll be careful with what they had. Would you learn from from the playoffs last year? <sighs> I think it was. Um, I mean, the playoffs are different, and it was, I think a lot of our guys hadn't really played. Because I, I you left that series seven. on the table. I felt like... Yeah, game six should, definitely should have been on yeah. for sure. Yeah. But that's good, though, for this year. Yeah. Now right. you'd be like, oh, don't forget last year. You get right. through that whole thing. I think you learn a lot from it. Um, you know, just playing in a game seven, I think, was good for a lot of our guys who hadn't really been in that situation. You know, like, it's just a, it's a learning experience um, for all of us. Um, so, I mean, I guess time will tell what we really learned. Wait till we get to the playoffs again. But I think it was uh, it was definitely good for us to be there and to, to be in some pressure situations and... Um, like you said, to learn from a game six last year. 
What was the best game you guys have been in this year? Where just the quality of play was really, really way up there? Because I've seen a couple. There's definitely, you guys have been in like three of the best ten well-played games of the season, but was there one that stood out where you're like, wow, games. this was probably what the finals feels like? Um, I mean, recently the Golden State game was... Was, was good. It that was a fun was game. Excellent. That, that was a real fun game. Uh, real good tempo. Our crowd was amazing. Um, uh, I felt like we really played well in the fourth uh, at Portland. At Portland, we played. We played really well. We played at Portland. Yeah, we we played really well. It was uh, it was on a back to back as well. They're they're a really good team. Um, I mean, there's we've been part of a lot of fun games and. You I know, uh, we had a good. We played Golden State at home, and we played Memphis on the road back to back. Memphis, on and the road, we yeah. lost at Memphis. We did not shoot the ball well, like at all. But it was, I wasn't really encouraged after the game, even though we lost, because we definitely could have won that game. But we went from like a total fast-paced, balls flying, everyone shooting threes, to Memphis was like grinded out, tough environment, and, and we were right there too for that game. And those, that's the one and two teams in the West. And so um, I think after those two games, even though we didn't win the second game, like I was really encouraged after that one. The one thing people keep saying about you guys is oh, if they go against a team with size in the playoffs, they're going to be in trouble. I mean, you must take that personally a little bit. But um, is there any validity to that? Like a team like Memphis where they, they're just throwing out Gasol and Zebo, you got to battle those guys for 40 minutes a game. Yeah, the, the way that I look at it uh, with our group, um, we do things as a team. Yeah. Um, uh, our guards do a great job, you know, helping us. And, and, and our bigs, we actually have uh, Pero Antich, um, that's, that's, you know, really good post defender. Uh, yeah. Elton Brand, a savvy veteran. And, and even guys like Mike Muscala, that hasn't played much because, you know, I'm playing a lot this year, but he's another guy that's good. And I know that he's not proven in the playoffs and all that, but we're, we're confident in what we have. Yeah. We're, um, you know, we play a certain style, we play, we like to play fast. Um, uh, and, and I'm, I'm confident, I'm confident about, about it. All right. And this guy's like the most underrated big man in the league? Probably. For, for now. For now. now. All right, good luck. I like watching good basketball, so I'm rooting for you guys. It's fun (laughs) to watch you guys play. Good luck. Enjoy the, enjoy the weekend. Congrats on the four Hawks thing. Uh, we'll be back with more after this. We're at All-Star Weekend. I'm here with America's favorite backcourt, Alfred Payton, <laughs> Victor Oladipo. What do you think of this stuff? You were in Louisiana last year. Oh, man. Um, you know, it's fun. It's fun. A lot of media, things like that. Um, you know, getting to walk around with, um, with other guys here. This is cool. Yeah, is this like a lifelong dream? Like someday I'm going to go to All-Star Weekend? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I think everybody want to be in the NBA, um, you know, dream about being here. You just helped him out with the chair. Yeah, you just kind of rocking. Like. You're doing well. <laughs> Remember we met at the job interview? Yeah, that was a while ago. That was about a year I ago. I went on the draft. I told everybody you should be the number one pick. Yeah, I, I feel vindicated. You do? I think. Yeah. Yeah. I'm more way. You're bringing it. Yeah, I'm trying, man. A little bit, you know. I'm bringing the fire? You get a little feisty with guys? Yeah, a little bit, man. You know, got to prove myself. So. Any any people still talking trash to you, or people have now shut up? No, I don't think people talk too much trash. Um... You know, they might get, you know, in the in the heat of the moment. Heat of the moment? You know, might say something crazy, but other than that, nothing too crazy. What do you think about playing with this guy? Um, I love playing with EP, you know what I mean? Um, he kind of feisty and gets after it just like I do, you know what I mean? So it's always good to have somebody like that 
um, right next to you. you know, when he's up pressuring, you know, pressuring guys, it makes you want to do the same thing. So um, definitely feed off his energy when he does that. Would you, did you take it personally where you went in the draft? Are you one of those guys that remembers everybody who got picked before you? No, I'm not. I'm not one of those guys. But yeah. you know, he I, is. He only one person. <laughs> that I, remember. I definitely, I definitely just want to prove, you know, that I belong, you know, um, and that I'm one of the best from the class. What? So new coach? You have an interim coach? Is that like what's that like? To all of a sudden, your coach isn't there anymore. Oh man, it's a little different. This whole this this past couple of weeks have been a little different, but. Um, you know, something that I've never experienced, he's never experienced. But uh, I think it's definitely pulled our team closer, yeah. closer together. It's yeah. definitely made us uh, realize that we need each other in order to win. Um, and, you know, James Borregos, who's there now, you know, he was there before. So we're familiar with him um, and what he brings to the table. So um, it's pretty much just us against the world right now. Yeah. You guys... I, I think you have a lot of talent on that team. Yeah. And I felt like you underachieved for what the talent was. And just you've, you've so much youth and, I don't know, just it just seems like the way you play, it should just be like, boom. Like, <laughs> these athletes, everybody can be terrified of. But don't you feel like this is going to start to blossom a little bit these last two months? Yeah, definitely. I think the last four games have been, you know, how we how we want to play. We've been doing well. We're getting after defensively holding teams under 100 points. Yeah, so. I think that's something to look forward to. Who's the best <clears throat> point guard you played so far? Oh, that's tough. You uh, have to answer it. You can't back <laughs> out of it either. I'm going to go Chris Paul. Chris Paul? Yeah. Was he talking to you? Uh, no. Not, uh, he was just, just surgically yeah, going after you? just getting his offense into, you know, they never took a bad shot the whole game. Very efficient. Yeah. How about you? Who's the best? Are you guarding threes or are you just guarding I'm twos and ones? <laughs> yeah. The other game, I switched on the Nene and it was crazy. What? Yeah, it was crazy. I'm guarding everybody, man. Everybody. So who who's the toughest? Durant, LeBron? Um, yeah, you know what I mean. Um, I think James Harden's probably one of the toughest to guard in the league. James Harden. I should have I should have brought him up first. <clears throat> he's a, he just gets to the rim every time. How does yeah, he do it? He does a great job of drawing body contact so he can get to the foul line. So. Um, and it's hard, man. He just puts it out there, and it's like, no, it's there, but it's not really there. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, I was gonna, you said drawing body contact. It, it feels like half the time he's not actually getting fouled. Yeah. He's just exactly. doing this thing, in the re- and there's some like some optical illusion to it. Yeah, I don't know how he does it. Hopefully, he could teach me. I might steal it from him. What about all these all these dudes now could shoot like 45, 50% from three, and you just have to be, like you're playing Corver. You just have to be constantly terrified that you left him alone for a split second, right? And that's all he needs, too. Yeah. It's literally a split second, and it's going up. So um, he got to even call the quarter rules. Like, you got to yeah. chase him on screens and stuff like that. He's got his own rules. So I mean, guys like that, you definitely have to be you know, cognizant of. Are you, are you are you social media? You on there? Twitter yeah, I'm on. Stuff? Yeah. You read your Twitter replies and everything? I don't. Uh, good, smart. <laughs> That's good. Are you reading your Twitter replies? No, nah, man. Stay away from that. your Twitter replies. I don't do that stuff, man. I don't read it. I just scroll to the top. You scroll to the yeah. top? Mm-hmm. Good. All right. Because he, you know, <laughs> stuff happens, people, whatever. You can't let that shake your confidence. Yeah. How are you going to get better second half of the season? Um, Just being a better leader of me. Uh, trying to be more efficient. Well, that's why I liked you when I was studying, when I was doing the draft and I was studying all the clips. It seemed like you were ordering everyone around, which yeah. I like. That's what I like for my point cards. Yeah, just um, you know, just trying. But you to don't order him around, though. <laughs> Nobody orders you around. You know what he's doing, man. Yeah, man. I'm just out there, man. You know, 
to him with that. Tell me about Vucevic. He, all the, he'll have these games where he gets 28 points and 25 rebounds. He's the dude is gifted, man. Talented. So gifted. talented. So talented. He's the jump easy. shot. Finish with either hand. Are people taking him seriously now, the other teams? Or they're still like he's sneaking up on people? No, I think uh, they take yeah, him they're serious. taking him seriously. Yeah. They're starting to double team him. And he's, really? And he's still yeah. getting numbers. Yeah, so. He's for real. Yeah. Who was the best team he played this year? I got to go with Memphis. I go with Memphis. How come? Um, just defensively, um, what they bring to the table, and offensive execution. Uh, mm-hmm. Mike Conley is another good point guard. Um, they just run their stuff to perfection. Yeah. What do you think? Oh, man, it's tough. There's a lot of good teams in the league. Memphis is, I would, um, is really good. San Antonio, man. Oh, yeah, I forgot about them. Uh, we played them down to the wire, and they just... Tough shot after tough shot. Execute down the stretch like no other. You know, yeah. they, they know where each other's spots are. They 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 drive and kick, relocate better than anyone in the league. Yeah. Um, they always make the extra pass. They always make the extra They go from good to great to greatest. Mm. And it's, it's ridiculous. So yeah. I would have to say them. You know what's funny about you? All the Indiana people love you. I wonder right? why. You man. have, like, you, you like, real, like, legitimate. Everyone from there is following you. Yeah. So you have, you following their team this year? Yeah, the Pacers, yeah. No, the, uh... Oh, the, oh, the Hoosiers? Yeah. Yeah, of course, man. So what's your scouting report? We going to the, we going dancing. We going dancing. You going dancing? No question. <laughs> we going dancing this year. Everybody get ready, because I'm ready. Like dancing. Final Four dancing or just like showing up for the tournament dancing? We're going dancing. I didn't, I'm not specifying. I'm just saying we're going dancing. <laughs> so everybody get your dancing shoes on because I'm going to have mine. What ha- what, Cody Zeller, why hasn't, why hasn't he taken off more than we thought he was going to do? What's going on there? I don't know. I think, um, you know, it's a different situation in Charlotte. Um, you know, there's, there's players. There were players in front of him, you know what I mean? And they got good players already there, but... I think he's coming around, you know what I mean? Slowly but surely, I think he's doing his thing. and um, I think eventually he's going he's going to blow up, man. He's really talented, and he can do a lot of things differently at his size that we've pretty much never seen before. So, um, so you take him on your team? Man, any day of the week, man. You should call the GM. Try to man, <laughs> offer some picks. What do you care about picks? Enjoy uh, All-Star Saturday. When I picked you for Rookie of the Year, like it's just stepping up like twenty <laughs> percent. Uh, I feel bit. like we're in this. Uh, we can do it, man. You can yeah. do it. Yeah. Step up, a couple triple doubles. Fill that box it. sheet. I got yeah. you. Like six, seven steals, and get, get, just get everything up there. <laughs> yeah. Sure. All right. Good luck. Back. All right, baby. Good Appreciate seeing you. you. Do your thing. Keep doing your thing. Keep battling those dudes. No doubt, I got you. Yeah. Remember, everybody said you were two inches too short. Take that personally. I will. I always believe. Uh, we'll be back with more All-Star after this. <laughs> All-Star Weekend, New York City. Uh, a three-time champion. He played for the Pistons. Oh, no. You, you didn't play it. <laughs> oh, you know what? Somehow you didn't actually play in the NBA, but I feel like you... you... I played one game, an exhibition game. For who? Shot a jumper. I played for uh, Philly against Minnesota. What year was that? You know, they all run together now. I can't remember. It was like 92, maybe 92, something okay. like that. Nice little jumper from the corner. Made it, sat myself down. Anybody else ever done that? No. It's pretty nice, huh? It's pretty good. Ahmad Rashad. <laughs> uh, I don't throw this word around loosely, but a legend. You, you have. I appreciate I'm more fascinated by your life and just everything that's <laughs> happened in it than just about anybody. You, you're just all over the place. You intersect with 
more famous people, and you have more stories, I'm guessing, than just about anybody. You know, is that fair? That's fair. I think that I have had a lot of fun. Yeah. And fun has been important in everything that I've done. I enjoyed playing football in the NFL. I enjoyed doing television. I enjoy being here with you this morning. It's just when I wake up, I decide to be happy and have a happy day. That kind of stuff. What is it about your personality that so many different famous people who normally don't have a lot of people around them just decided, that's my guy, he's cool. I, I love this guy. I like being around this guy. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how to answer that one. You know, I, I know that the relationships I do have that people that are supposedly famous are two-way relationships. Right. You know, they're not like, it's like, hey, I'm going to hang out with this guy. It's just my no. friend. So, but uh, you have more friends than I mean. You just have I don't like know, maybe it's, I hundreds don't know. of friends. <laughs> I don't. Know. People like to have fun. I like to have fun. People want to be happy. I like to be happy. So it's that kind of thing. And I guess there's no line. Can't draw the line between sports. Right. I like all sports. I have a lot of good friends in sports or entertainment that play sports. So I don't know. I don't really. Is know it fair to it. say you can fit in any room? I think I might be able to. Any group of people. It doesn't matter if it's like billionaire hedge funds traders. That's a good one. Yeah. It's I, the Lakers right now. Right, right. It's a bunch of football players from 40 years ago. Like you could just kind of blend in. I'm comfortable in every one of those rooms. I mean, just as comfortable in all of them. And that's good. Right. That, that is good. Because I, I, I went to a golfing the other day with a bunch of people that it was very strange that I was there. <laughs> right. But I had a great time. Right. <laughs> I had a great time. It's like, oh, who's that guy? I was, there? I was like, really? Hmm. All right, let's go back to the 80s, or yeah. early, late 70s, early 80s. Okay. You're a receiver on the Vikings. Yeah. You have this whole other life that people just know you as a mother you know shot. I led the league in receiving two times? I know. You were a really good receiver. I, see? Now, say that again. They think I just played. I was all pro. You different yeah. name? You're, we, no, you were Bobby it? Moore initially, and no, then you were Mod. Yeah, only one year in the pros I was Bobby Moore, and then I was a Mod. I have a Bobby side. Moore football card. You better keep a hang on to that. Yeah, What's that worth? It's got to be worth something. Because I haven't even seen it. I was, somebody showed me one and said, would you sign it, Bobby Moore? I said, well, I could sign it anything you want if you, right. if you like. But I never saw one, a card. You have a card? The That's Cleveland? my rookie year. Yeah, I thought I, there's a Bobby Moore rookie card. Holy smoke. I'm pretty sure. I'm you sure might I have it only, somewhere in my garage. You better find it because I think it's worth at least. I hope I'm not getting into a Brian Williams situation where I'm claiming <laughs> that I have the card. <laughs> no. no. Oh, oh, wait, there's a, no card. I don't have a garage. Let's <laughs> assume I have it. I have all the football cards from that year. So, <laughs> Next, I want you to call me when you find it. You call me and tell me you found that card. You signed my Bobby Moore card, <laughs> but I don't misremember the... So the Cleveland fans blame you for ruining the, ruining the Browns. Well, but you know it was... The well, year. you kind of did. Well, but they had a... They were the cardiac kids, and they had won that way. Yeah, you killed the cardiac then. kids. But w- so the catch was not only to beat them, but it was to win the championship and move us into the playoffs. You won the you yeah, won the we NFC lose, we're out. Central. Yeah, we lose, we're out. They lose, they got another game because they made it in anyway. So for those of the of people watching who don't know what we're talking about, you mean they don't a hail understand mary that? Vikings Browns the hail mary nineteen eighty. One of the first famous Hail Marys, I feel like. You guys went 80 yards in two plays somehow. Yes. And you caught off the tip, you run in, and it became this iconic. NBC used to show, like, the great plays before the games, and they would always show that one. And when I was a kid, I just remember that. This is uh, fodder for Michael Jordan. What do you mean? Can you do this? Right. Could You can score them points. Could you do this? 
he couldn't play football worth the damn. He said he played like one time, and the last thing he remembered was being carried out on a stretcher, putting the thumbs up like he was okay. Is that and true? And never returned. <laughs> yes, <laughs> he never returned. It's like, pfft. yeah, could you do that? See the ball bounce around like three or four people and then caught it? Right. Yeah. So the Cleveland fans still bring that up to you to this day, right? To this day. I can't go through a Cleveland airport, which I rarely do anyway, but I run into a lot of people down in Florida from Cleveland that all remember the catch. All you broke my heart in 1980. Yeah, yeah, that's all right. Well, at least they remember I played. Why did you retire? I forget. Were you banged up or no. did you want to get out a year too early? Because you, you know retired relatively young. I, I, and nobody believed me. I mean, I'd done st- four straight Pro Bowls and then I said I quit. The reason I quit was I had started working in television my last five years while I was playing. Full time. So I went to practice. I left practice. I went to the studio. Mm. And I did all sports. I did uh, high school basketball. I did wrestling. I did all kinds of stuff for five years while I was playing. And then it just got to the point where I realized that I wanted to do something else. You know, I I can remember uh, I had some friends that were going to Paris, and it was like October. And I really wanted to go. We had a game on Sunday. But I really wanted to go. So mentally you were out. (laughs) It's it's like, I got to get out of here. So then I just decided that was it. And never looked back. And but you, play, you played football. You played receiver. Yeah. I was a wor- running back in college. Right. But you played receiver in the worst possible era to be a receiver when you had all these crazy cornerbacks yeah. and safeties who were leading like this over the middle. I led the league in receptions with 51 catches one year. Right. And 50 was a superstar. Because you, you couldn't throw over the middle in those days because the well, guys would get crushed. Well, you, you couldn't get off the line of scrimmage because they could bump and run and just hold you. Yeah. I remember talking to Jim Plunkett, Plunkett one day. He goes, you know, when I played, he said I would back up seven steps and my receivers would not even be off the line of scrimmage because they would just clamp you down. So it was a harder, and I don't mean to sound like some old guy. No, you're 100% yeah, I'm justified. I'm just being honest. I'm no, being honest. this is like, true. You, the rules are now that if you don't catch 100 balls, you're, you suck. Everybody's opening three steps. That's why you see quarterbacks catch the ball and throw it. You couldn't do that back in my day. No one would be open. Well, did you watch the Super Bowl? Yes. So Edelman in that second-to-last Pats drive goes over the middle on a third and 14, gets crushed <laughs> by Cam Chancellor, holds on to the ball. Everyone on Twitter is like, he has a concussion. Like they, right. like, that was like a routine hit in your day. That was like a mosquito bite for you. They used to have them uh, Closed lines, right. and, and it was always like great stuff. If you did that, that was a good thing to do. And there was also a rule you could never go underneath the linebacker because his job, if you ever went underneath him, his job was to take your head off, just right. club you right on the head. That's yeah. a penalty now. So uh, it, the rules have changed. It makes the game more exciting. It's much more exciting, but it was crazy when we played. When I, I, I grew up as a Patriot fan, but I loved Sammy White. Did you guys have, was, was it when you were Patriots fans, they had the little, little... Re, Randy Vitaha. No, no, not Randy Vitaha, running back. Oh, Mac Heron. Mac Yeah, that was one of my first favorite dudes. Mac Heron. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mac Heron used to come in after the group and have a little hat, broke over yeah. with a thing and a nice uh, a tie and about an eight-button jacket <laughs> every Mac's, time I saw him. Mac's career ended abruptly for reasons that remain unclear. <laughs> and he was one of those guys from he the was. 70s. He was like, he yeah, was. Mac Heron's not around anymore. Yeah, nobody happened. messed with Mac either. Yeah. He was like 5'2". So... I love Sammy White. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I could, maybe because I was six and he was really fun to watch. But then he got destroyed in that Raiders game. Oh, my God. One of the all-time, oh, Look my like God, that guy's dead. Yeah. yeah, his helmet actually came off. His, You're right. That's that what, era was scary. I watched the Stingley game, too. I mean, I know that's, oh. that was the worst hit of that decade. But 
Ooh. I was watching that one live when that happened. Who was the guy, uh, they call me assassin? Jack Tatum. That Jack was the guy Tatum. who did that to Stingley. I, I totally was this game. There was, Jack Tatum was such a bad, badass. Yeah. I remember we went to play Oakland one night, and I had my guy. You know, on a football team, you're only as good as your bad guy. Yeah. Whoever your badass guy is, that's your swagger, your team. So I had Jim Marshall and Alan Page and Chuck Foreman. They're all in my room. And um, uh, he comes over. Um, Jack Tatum? Jack Tatum comes over. Just to say hi. How you doing? He's a friend of mine. Yeah. Comes over the room. So when he comes over, he's got these dark glasses on, right? Yeah. And he comes on. It's pitch night. And he comes on and we're talking. And I noticed the whole uh, thing in my whole room, everybody just got quiet. Our bad guy stopped talking. You know, just kind of not really know what to do. And so Jack is there like 20 minutes, and he got up to leave, and he still had these black glasses. So he goes to walk to the door, and he goes to the closet. It ain't the door. And he opens the closet and takes two steps in the closet. No one laughed. No one in the room Wow. Until he got out the door, and we were sure he was at least at the parking lot, and then we started laughing. Yeah, you you didn't want him to no. see you laughing. No. it was. I never forgot that. That team was so scary that... Him and George Atkinson were the two scariest guys in that team, but they had another guy in the secondary named Dr. Death. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was yeah. the third scariest guy in the team, yeah, Dr. Sk- Death. Yeah, sk- I, his name was Skip. Uh, he went to USC. Yeah, I, Skip something. I, I can't remember his last name. They also had Bubba Smith. Yeah. They had, you know, you'd play the Oakland Raiders in those days. I was playing for St. Louis. We had to line up in the line to do our calisthenics perfect. Them guys down there had their shirts out. They were talking, two dudes smoking on the side. <laughs> it's like, we can't beat them. Right. <laughs> we can't beat them. So do people now, like if you meet somebody under 20, do people think you were in the NBA now? Yeah, they think I was in the NBA, absolutely. So do you, should you should just create this false narrative that you that played on the Lakers, you were the sixth man? So here's the, here's the one. My daughter, who is now 27, she came home to school one day when she was about 15, and she goes, Dad, there's a guy in my class that wants your autograph. He says you played football, did you? That was like the day that I went, okay, I've been oh down playing this football thing too much. Because <laughs> when I quit, I want to, like, forget I played football. I want to be so good in television that nobody will remember I played football. Then all of a sudden it was like, did you play football? I was like, we need to bring this back a little bit. Right. And therefore, that's why I came in this morning for me and you to talk about my football Yeah, career. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Now, now we kidding. laid it down. That's right. Well, you had, so you go, you're on NBC all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. You're with Costas. Costas and I Costas had a great time. Costas the most overqualified <laughs> NFL studio host ever. He was just way he's too really, good for that. Yeah, he's a lot of fun, though, man. And that was a great show. Yeah, we had so much fun. And yeah. then you proposed to your girlfriend on well, a studio I, show, and somehow you don't take for this. Uh, yeah, but why should it? It was a nice romantic it was moment. Super it was, romantic. It was very, and it was real, and it was romantic. It wasn't... Plant. None of the people behind the cameras knew where I was going to do it. But this goes back to the legend of Ahmad Rashad. Like you, <laughs> you so. could do that. I think if a lot of people did that, people like, he's proposing to his girlfriend on TV. What are you doing? But it was like, oh, Ahmad did it. It's fine. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it was this, there was a little softness to it. I guess if somebody else would have done it, they would have probably killed him. Right. Uh, although, you, uh, but Wilbon, when you did it, it was a nice gesture. Except that there's a guy I found, uh, the guy that works with Wilborn. Kornizer? Kornizer. Uh-oh. Wrote a bad article. I have it to Uncle this Uncle Tony? Mm-hmm. He what did he a, write? The, how cheesy it was, and how this and that and the other. And uh, I never, I think I told him I kept that article. I still have it. I saw it not long ago. When you was, should confront him about it when you see him. He'll be a very apologetic. Um, I think I did already. <laughs> I think I did. Can we do it again on the podcast? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> good. So, Can I start like this? The guy that works at Wilbon? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so you had that. Then you had then. So you're on that show, which everybody watched. And then all of a sudden you launch inside uh, stuff. You no, know, I had. I there was a time with, when I had a show on every. With the future Mrs. Bob Iger. Yeah, I, there was a time there was a show on every single day. I had a game show that was on every day. Yeah, the inside stuff was on every Saturday. I did a Sunday basketball game every Sunday. That was for about five or six years. I forgot so you, about that. You were the yeah, sideline reporter yeah, for you, a bunch of iconic NBC yeah. games. So you couldn't. Why well, every Bulls every Bulls game? Yeah. Every Bulls game we, we we did, and we did all those championships. So there was a time there that it was a hell of a run and a lot of fun. A lot. I had a, such a good you used time. To, I used to have the seats. My dad had the seats of the Celtic games in the tunnel uh-huh. where you guys would hang out. Right. Because you'd have to grab somebody. Oh, right, right, right. And we all thought you were in the bag for the Bulls. We were all like, <laughs> man, that guy's pro, pro Jordan. We don't like this guy. We kind of all stink eyed you a little bit. Yeah, I know. Well, you yeah. know, people do that because the thing is about that time, Michael and I were very good friends. Right. So every week we had a Chicago game. So on Friday night, I'd fly out and stay at the house and then just go to the game on Sunday and do the thing. There was no way of, I was still um, objective, but there was no way of hiding the friendship between yeah. us. You know, we were still friends, but... I didn't say it was rational that no, we but felt that thing, way. And you always interview the, the star of the game, who yeah. was always the star of the game. Right. Michael Jordan. So I had nothing to do with that, kind of. When did you start to realize that he was becoming, like, too famous to the point where his life had become this life where he's trapped in hotel suites and... High stakes casino rooms, and that's all he can basically do. One time, uh, we were in Paris, and he had a, a security guard. So we would come out of the hotel, and we'd get in this van, and there would be two vans in the front, and then two vans in the back, and then some motorcycle guys on the side. And I went, "This is what the hell it was? What you you're? I think you're under house arrest, is what it is." And because we went to a cigar shop. So the guy zipped through the streets, and they had the wah, 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 things going on. And when he pulled up to the cigar shop, he went up on the sidewalk and got so that when you opened the door, you took one step and went in the store. Right. <laughs> People were walking around the cars, and I went, okay, this is probably it. And you know what? It's the only time I ever saw him in the game. You know, you've never seen him. He started dribbling through his legs. You know, cameras flashing all over everywhere. It's the only time I ever saw him in his whole career that he gave them a show. I really? mean, trick shots. Through the legs, wraparounds, all kind of stuff like that. It's like, okay, in, in 15 years, I'd never seen him do that ever at all. But he was in Paris and gave him a show, which was kind of cool. I wrote about this once. He's the only player, I've been going to basketball games for 40 years. He's the only player I've ever seen that when he would come out in the pregame warm-ups, the whole arena would stop. Yeah, yeah. And it was just people either just staring at him like he was Godzilla or like the Loch Ness Monster or something. And then people taking pictures, and everybody was just looking at him. There was no other people on the court. It was just him. They're just staring at him. See, you have you have this knowledge that of all the sports people that you've seen. Yeah. This guy always performed. Yes. I mean, I, I mean, I'm, this is not from a friend's standpoint. This is from a standpoint of me being watching all kinds of sports. I never saw him had a bad game. Bird, Bird was like that, too, where when he was on the Bird road, certainly was. he knew, and I think Magic was probably like this, where he knew if he was on the road, this yes, might Magic be the was. one time that people saw him in person and he had to take care of that person. These guys, and never, it was just something I just, a lot of guys have an off night, or I can remember in my career going to watch somebody play and the guy would get eight points. Yeah. He's like, what is that? But I never saw Michael, and I guess the guys that you named, it was sort of progression. They had sort of set the table, uh, Magic, uh, uh, Larry, and then Michael. And yeah. then after that, it didn't, that's kind of, and then Kobe, and then it kind of stopped. 
But you got along with Stern, too. You know how I met You David? get along with everybody. Here's how I met David Stern. I'm in uh, Howard Cosell's office. Who you I got along with Howard Cosell. Howard Cosell was my main. You got along with everybody. Howard Cosell was my main man for some You're reason. You're the only person who's ever said that. <laughs> I, said, I loved Howard. <laughs> loved him. He was funny. He was entertaining. I used to watch Monday Night Football at his apartment over here when I first moved to New York. Right. You know, I, I watched Monday Night Football with, 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 uh, with him. I used to watch Monday Night Football with Miles Davis. Uh, they just, I don't know, some, I was at a dinner sitting next to Miles Davis. And we were talking about something. He was telling me about some, um, some doctor he had gone to and everything. So he goes, uh, call me, man. Call me. Here's my number. And then they gave me the number. And I went, man, Miles Davis, man. I've been a fan of his for all my life. And then he kept going like this. You ain't going to call me. You ain't going to call me, are you? Just kept pushing it. So I finally called him. And then we got to be pretty good friends. Now, back to Howard Costell. I'm in Howard Costell's office. When I quit playing football, he tried to get ABC to hire me. ABC only wanted me to do football. You know, we're off you. You can come and you can be a football color commentator. NBC let me do all sports, so I never went to ABC. So um, I'm in his office one time. Howard was one of these guys where he picks up the phone. He goes, do you know David Stern? I go, no, I don't Stern. He picks up the phone and calls him. Goes, David, it's Howard. I'm sitting here with I'm my brush yet. Talk to him. I don't know what to say. Were you on the phone? Yeah, I don't know what to say. Hey, David. David goes, hey, how you doing? <laughs> how you doing? And that's the way we first met. Right. Yeah, just from an office uh, over in the west side. Can we talk about conspiracies? Oh, yeah, sure. Okay. So Jordan leaves to play baseball. Mm -hmm. Conspiracy was that Stern got rid of him. Right. You were friends with both. True uh -huh. or not true? Not true. Jordan flew game. Yeah. People thought he went out the night before that he was, that was food poisoning. True or not true? Pizza. Food poisoning. He was in his room playing cards. You interviewed him that night, right? I was at the. I was at the in the room. You were in the room for the food poisoning. But not. This long. is why we have him on the long. podcast. Not long, not long. But I know the pizza came and the pizza. He didn't go out of that room. Were He's, you there for the JFK assassination or no? No, I don't remember that one. Okay. Um, I missed that. So food poisoning for MJ. Yeah, food poisoning in Utah, right? Was that the most amazing MJ performance you've seen? No, you know what? I was talking to Quinn Buckner the other day because we used to cover all these games. And yeah. every game, he would do something that would be so amazing, so much better. You know, we'd see the game. It's like, that was up there, man. No way he can play any better. Next game was like, better than the last one. And it just got better and better and better. We even thought about, because we would sit, after every game, we would always go somewhere and sit down and rehash the game. It would be Michael, uh, Howard White. Quinn Buckner, myself, and we rehashed the whole game. I said, you know, we should probably do this on tape yeah. and show the game in our the way we used to do it back in the day. You know, because it was just one of those things where we just kind of sort of sat around, talked about what had happened, and we never thought it would get better. And it got better every single game. This is for every playoff. I mean, in the Seattle series, the Utah series, all of those, uh, Detroit series, Detroit series. Um, I went out to dinner with uh, Isaiah uh, during the during the thing. And I told Michael, I said, I'm going. So you somehow stayed friends with Isaiah, too. Yeah. I said, I'm going to go out to dinner with Isaiah. He asked me, I'm going to go out to dinner with him. He goes, man, you know, all he's trying to do is try to get some secrets or something. You know, because he's like, I don't have no secrets. He's just going, hey, I don't know. So I go. And so Isaiah tells me, he goes, let me just tell you something. When I look in Michael Jordan's eyes, I see myself. I mean, the hunger he had for winning a championship. So I remember going back to him. I said, man, you know, last night when I talked to Isaiah, he said, when I look in your eyes, he sees himself. He said, man, that's some bullshit. It's <laughs> <laughs> so funny. This guy, Michael has such a way of bringing it all down to, right. you know, like, 
He's like, but he's the most competitive guy of all time. Uh, so I beat him yesterday. Uh, um, we played 2020. Beat him three ways yesterday. We and played golf. golf yesterday. Yeah, yeah. We play golf every day. Yeah. Old people uh, being still competitive in a game that you don't have to run or jump. Can he do anything that there isn't some sort of stakes? Yeah, it doesn't matter. It's 20 bucks we played. 20, 20, 20. Like when you're driving to a restaurant, does he, is he wagering with you? No. I bet I can get there first? No, but one time coming back from the airport, there's two different ways to go. Yeah. And I said, like, you got to go this way. It's quicker. No, I'm going to go that way. So he went that way. I went the other way. We raced home. This was a month ago. <laughs> old people. Yeah, maybe like we're on bikes. Yeah, I'm going to ride bikes from the boys club. Let's see if we can get home faster. Just silly stuff, but it's silly. Are you, uh, you're probably, his Hall of Fame speech was pretty polarizing, but all the people who knew him <laughs> thought, they were like, that's the real Michael. What are you guys upset about? That's him. Did you feel that way? Yes, I did. I knew it was going to get misunderstood because people didn't understand that he, all the people he talked about were the inspiration to him being. Driving him. Yeah. yeah. And and the thing that the memory said about <laughs> Dean Smith, Dean didn't want him on the cover or something, whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. And, but those things were the things that drive him. It wasn't like he has any sort of, he didn't bring that guy that beat him out of his team in high school to the event to embarrass him. He just brought him there to say, this is one of the guys that when I didn't make the team and that guy make the team, he's the guy that I went back and I tried to, to do my game. Because he's a big-hearted guy. Yeah. Big-hearted guy. Not a nasty guy at all. So you did a Kobe interview for NBA TV that's on, on uh, Monday, 9 p.m., uh, the day after the All-Star game. Yes. I, I mean, I don't know if it's because I'm older now, but I always get offended when anybody tries to put anybody in Jordan's class. Okay. I just feel like Jordan's like up here, and yeah. it's like, yeah, this guy kind of got no, you're in right. the ballpark, but you're, you're, I was there for Jordan. Yeah, I, I just think yes. nobody was like Jordan. No, and the, I pe- don't think. And the new people didn't see him. They no. just kind of hear about him. I'm kind of amazed by that, actually. So when I said, when, when I, when I, the thing about Kobe, in my mind, if there was anybody in Kobe's era that was like Michael, it was Kobe. And, and I say like-minded because they both have that put-your-foot-on-their-throat kind of win mentality. And nobody else has that. Michael respects Kobe tremendously for the work ethic. But in terms of, and I think when Kobe quits, that whole era's done. The whole Jordan, compare him to anybody. There's nobody else compared to Michael Jordan. Kobe would have been the last. I don't see anybody that you can compare to to Michael. From the crazy competitive standpoint, the only guy who's even like a hint of being in the ballpark would be Westbrook for me. I think Westbrook's like a maniac. He is a maniac, but not the same results. But they're not the same. Yeah, not the same same Yeah, I mean, you can have... But the way he cares reminds me of how Jordan cared and Kobe cared, you know? Yeah, uh, you're you're, you're right. Because that that dude's playing 100 miles an hour. Yeah, he's like in freaking... (laughs) You know, he's in Utah. Yeah, he's in Utah on a Tuesday (laughs) night, and he's trying to crush them. And it's like this team is going to the lottery. But sometimes he does it to... You know the, uh, you know to the downfall of the rest of the guys on the team. True. You know what I mean. So that kind of, that attitude, while it's a great attitude to have, sometimes it doesn't work in a team setting like it should. I mean, you got to keep up with that. Whereas Michael at least could, could sort of get the most out of some slugs that he had playing on that team. Don't you think that's part of why Jordan came back for? Those two wizard seasons because he retires and everybody's like Kobe's the next one, Grant Hill's the next one, Iverson and. How about this one? I feel like he was just sitting there going, you know what? I've had it. I'm coming back. How about this one, which I bet you've not ever thought about? Okay. Maybe he came back because he was trying to buy a team. Oh. 
So when he came back to Washington, team that when was, they came back to Washington, remember he was going to be a part owner, or he did come back and was a part owner. Well, that then he gave that up, up yeah. to play because the guy talked him into playing. And then but backstabbed him. Mm-hmm, then backstabbed him. But when he left, next thing up, he, he bought a team. So his reason to come back in Washington was that he was trying to buy a team. That's what he wanted to do. And so he was coming back to do that. So then the guy goes, hey, if you just play one time in my lifetime, I want you to play. So he played one year, and that thing didn't quite work out. But his whole, if you ask him, he will say that the reason I came back was for, you know. To eventually take control of the Washington team. Yes, to team. take control of the Washington, yeah. Washington team. But he ended up with the Charlotte team for a great price. And now every team, and every, that's like all beachfront real estate now, those NBA teams. What, are they worth a billion bucks now? Holy smokes. Wait till Atlanta goes for like, I actually don't think Atlanta's going to sell. I don't think that guy's going to end up selling the team. But I think that would go for a billion. Are they, what's their, I mean, are they filling up the gate even with the, with the record that they have? That's good. And it's also good to see these small market teams doing well. Yeah. You know, that's kind of a, because they kept thinking, oh man, Memphis is going to do their Oklahoma City. You know, when you go to these places, the entire town turns out. It's the biggest thing in town. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Well, I also think it doesn't really matter where people play now. No, used to you're Chicago, right. New York, you're LA right. used to matter. Now yeah. it's like all these games are on TV. Yeah, you know, you're absolutely right. Because that's, that's, you're used to like, oh, this guy's not going to go. You used to be able to say, that guy's not going to go there. The only place that seems like they're having problems is Utah. Right. Most beautiful woman you've ever been in the same room with. Oh, my God. I have to ask you one girl's question. I know, man. I don't. Uh, Come on. I, the one of, doesn't jump to mind? No. 45 Turn years them. of being in rooms with beautiful women. Yeah, a lot of them. Nothing? I'd hate, to, I'd hate to miss one. Jane Kennedy? Jane Kennedy was all right, but that was the old days. I know. That's where I'm going. Been, I'm going old days. Oh, Jane Kennedy was pretty. She was pretty. How about Maud Adams? Maude, wow, you went way back. Well, she was one of them. She was Rollerball, James Conn. Yeah. <laughs> I remember Mon Adams. Mon Adams. Yeah, she was always one of them James Bond girls. Can we do another podcast that's not recorded where we just talk about women <laughs> for an hour? That would be fun, as a matter of fact. See, that would be fun. See, because I like it, though, when you remember. I don't like it when I remember, and then the person I'm talking to is like, I don't quite remember that. I mean, I have to call my dad, see if he remembers that. See, but you remember. So that makes it more fun to talk about. But we could talk about a lot of stuff. Yeah, it's so much fun. And you've had a lot of fun yourself. I feel like at some point you need to write a book or do some sort of story series or something. I'm going to talk about Dan Clores and I, we're going to talk oh, about Dan's this. a good man. Yeah, we got to do some man. sort of documentary something with you. There's a, I feel yeah. like you have just this, this wealth of stories. You know, it goes back to Dan's era, too, because I knew all those guys, the Lucius Allens and the yeah. Wilts and all those guys. I just hadn't, uh, and I had been, it was one of those things where I was such a fan of these people, and then I think when I met them, okay, here's a story that this is, I never told this story publicly. Great. All right. So, I was, uh, uh, I was in Las Vegas one time. I was about 25 years old, and I was uh, backstage at a, at a concert, and I, had, and I had a brand new suit and everything, and as I walked in the room, and sitting in the room was Frank Sinatra. Um, Oh, my gosh. It was uh, people that I thought weren't really real. Sammy Davis Jr. was Dean in Martin, there. Dean like that old crew. And also, oh, this lady just passed away. It was married to Humphrey Bogart. Lauren Bacall? Lauren Bacall. Lauren Bacall is beautiful at the time. Few, absolutely beautiful. And I'm playing for, I just finished playing for Oregon. It was like between my Oregon and, and 
St. Louis or Buffalo days, one or the other. So I'm in the room, and uh, Frank Sinatra's sitting over there. So he sees me coming in the room. I'm like, man, that's Frank Sinatra in my mind. I am by myself. And so he goes, hey, uh, this cat played for Oregon. He's a sports fan. Yeah. Come sit down over here. I go over and sit down. We start talking about the game last week and the whole thing. I'm feeling pretty good talking to Frank Sinatra. And there's this big bowl of uh, guacamole on the table. And there's these chips over here on the side. And so we're talking, and I'm thinking, and I kept thinking about, man, I tell my mom, you know, that I met this guy, I'm talking to the guy and the whole thing. So we're talking, and Lauren McCall, she's adding everything. So I take one of these chips, and I dig it in the guacamole, a big old lump, man, like a bigger than a tablespoonful, two tablespoonfuls. And I put it in my mouth. And just as I uh, bite down on it, it's wasabi. My whole head blows up. <laughs> my, whole, my whole head blows up. I'm sweating worse than I'm sweating now. Coming out of my suit, I think I passed out. And I, when I, all I could do is when I looked up, Frank's not just staring at me, and he goes like this. This cat loves wasabi. <laughs> I, was, I was so embarrassed, man. I couldn't get up. Sweat all the back of my jacket. Uh, I'm looking over at Lauren McCall. She's looking at me like, this dude's something wrong with him like that. It's the worst. I never forget it. And then about three years later, I'm in Monte Carlo, running yeah. this Frank Sinatra again. He goes, cat loves him, so what's on me? <laughs> How often do you come to L.A.? Uh, not very often. Not very, I used to come out there a lot of time. Not very often. Will you come by, when you're in L.A., will you come by and do another podcast? And yes, tell more stories? anytime, absolutely, man. I, know, I, just, I enjoy I don't this. I you're ever going to run out. <laughs> there, there's, it's, you're so underrated for just not having all these great stories. and you know Something about the stories was when they're just between us. Yeah. Like today is just between us, so yeah. it, then it becomes easier. And I think as time goes by, they become easier. And then as you start thinking about it, it's like, there's a lot of characters. You know, there's well, you just, you, I mean, you just told a Frank Sinatra story out of nowhere. <laughs> I know. It's so funny. But when I tell people, they're going, who's Frank Sinatra? <laughs> <laughs> Ahmad Rashad, a yes, pleasure. Sir. I'm glad we finally were able to put something on podcast form. Enjoy All-Star Weekend. Oh. Uh, and we'll be back more after this. So I get to sign off. Whoa. Thank you for downloading the BS Report with Bill Simmons. Too much. Check out more podcasts at the iTunes Music Store or at Pod Center at ESPNRadio.com. Peace out.